Has anyone ever seen Count Von Count from Sesame Street actually drink blood? <laughs> because I, to my knowledge, no, no. He looks like a classic vampire, but that that's that's about where his he, he goes. I don't even know if he can turn into a bat. I don't think he can turn into a bat. I've never seen him. And I used to work with kids, so we would watch Sesame Street a lot. I've never seen him. I've only seen him count and have bats come out of his organ. Yep, yep, he does have bats. <laughs> uh, I'm just reminded of a meme I saw recently. What's your favorite literary vampire? The one from Sesame Street. He doesn't count. Oh, I assure you, he does. Just a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. Different series that require a spoiler warning will be in the description. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again for another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to do something a little different, and it's going to be an episode, Our Vampires Are Different. So not the standard vampires, just some other vampires that are out there that are through their vampiric lore, or just some creative decisions, are different than your normal vampires. But before we get started, we're going. I'm going to introduce all the guests that are going to help me out with this. Now, once again, my name is Leo. I am the Geek Scorpio. Uh, my name is Kyle. I am k I am Ben. I am El Penguin. Hi, I'm Kat, and I'm from Ghoul Gossip. All right. Now, before we get started, let's take another trip to the magical merch booth. It's a booth, it's a booth, and it's magical. Okay, so here we are at the Magical Merch Booth, and it looks like we're uh, things are being sold left and right. And it looks like, Kat, they actually have a couple of pamphlets about your upcoming podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Hi, Yeep Scorpio. Thank you so much. So my podcast is Ghoul Gossip. Um, it's two beasties with a love for Monster High and all things freaky, fabulous, history, and lore. Um, we're going to be talking group discussions Well, in our podcast epi- episodes, release dates, um, looking at the history of Monster High, how it got started, even from the web episodes to the dolls, to the books, even to the movies, and also looking at monster high lore compared to actual lore and mythologies from real life and it's going to be a freaky time all right can't wait to listen to a couple of those episodes until that happens let us get back to the show okay so what we're talking about is that our vampires are different and what i mean is that vampires and vampiric lore has kind of been sort of this uh, a little samey not a bad what i'm talking about is vampires and vampiric lore usually have the same kind of tropes and things about themselves now the major reason is because of this vampires and their lore have actually been around since over a millennia however what we consider as sort of the normal vampire lore it comes from two eh, two and a half sources on this case the first major source is bram stoker's dracula written in 1897 Bram Stoker wrote his book about Dracula, and that's novel Dracula, and that's where we get a good portion of all modern vampiric lore is from Dracula. The whole uh, living in the castle, Transylvania is the uh, is a big location, drinking blood, all of that is from this story. Now, in another big uh, influencer is an old 1922 film called Nosferatu. In it, and for some weird legal reasons, even though it's supposed to be Dracula, they called it Count Orlock. But that's actually supposed to be Dracula. Now, this is where we get other portions of the lore. One of the big changes into the lore is that it's in Bram Stoker's Dracula, 
sunlight doesn't hurt vampires. It just weakens them greatly. And in sunlight, they can't. Uh, vampires cannot use most of their uh, powers. And also, the blood is for something that they feed, but it's also the amount of blood that they have is what fuels their powers and their abilities. In Nosferatu, it's a little different. Sunlight will kill the vampire, and it burns them out. But also, this is where blood becomes a, a, a necessity, a large feed. It doesn't just us come up as just their powers. Without it, they will pass out and die. Now, this is sort of the major mainstay of vampires and vampiric lore. Until we get about to the 80s. Now, this is where we get the super sexy vampire lore coming up. Oh my. And this is more of your modern teen vampire stuff. And most of that comes from the 1987 film, The Lost Boys, is where that sort of originates. And these are uh, that's why it's not two and a half major sources. So that's where we get these kind of vampires for it. Now, what we're talking about today is vampires that aren't your normal vampire. Ones that sort of either change or adjust a trope. So anything that's more related to a Bram Stoker type of vampire, which is where the classic vampire is, is ones that we is where we're going to try to stay away from on this. But there's other vampire stories out there that have different charges and changes for it. So this is where we're going to start and take a look at some of these different changes. Now, I figure we could start first with something um, pretty big. Let's go with the big bad of the vampire world, Dracula. But in my case, the Dracula I want to talk about is Dracula from the Castlevania series. Because that Dracula does not operate like a normal vampire. Um, from my understanding, it's closer to a demon. Because this vampire resurrects itself as one of its big power things. And it has amazingly large plethora of powers for it. Its biggest thing, though, is the fact that it's uh, it controls Castlevania, the castle itself. Which, uh, I think in the lore of Castlevania, actually, the castle itself moves around and teleports. And what I think is funny, they take a, there is an aspect in Bram Stoker's Dracula that's mentioned, but in Castlevania, they really run with it. It's that Dracula is an alchemist and a scientist as well. I think one of my favorite things about it is that uh, the Castlevania Dracula has a close personal friendship with death. Uh, in fact, in one of them, you actually fight both uh, Dracula and death at the same time. Uh, I believe that was Portrait of Ruin. The irony, of course, is um, anybody who's a big fan of Castlevania will know that the story of Castlevania originally starts because the game designer for it just had a love with old horror films. And that's where it started with making Castlevania for it. Um, but yeah, Castle uh, Dracula tends to have different, especially when you fight him in his boss form. There's usually, in most cases, there's a double boss form for it. And that's where we get some of Dracula's other powers. My favorite incarnation of Dracula, though, is Symphony of Night, just story-wise. Because... Um, and he tells, like it's at the very beginning of the game, he tells you that the he's not here because of some because he wants to be. He's being resurrected and summoned by humans. So Dracula, in this case, is more of a entity, almost a deity-like creature, because he can either resurrect himself once. I think it's every hundred years or so. Uh, correct. Hundred years is the usual. So if anything happens in between, then it's some kind of unnatural rebirth. But that's the thing. He gets to be rebirth. And when you get to the later series, um, 
the chronology the chronology of Castlevania is amazing because honestly, out of a lot of video game based lore, this one kind of sticks to as much of it as it can. And the castle of Castlevania just changes because it, on the whim almost when it gets resurrected. And then in 1999, well, that's when the cycle ends. Yeah, 1999 is when uh, the official defeat of Dracula put is gone, put down, and sealed away, and doesn't come back. However, this is where the story of is it the Aria of Sorrow? What is the name of that one? It's yeah, it's Aria of Sorrow. In fact, that one's my favorite Castlevania. <laughs> Aria of Sorrow, and then you play as a character named Soma Cruz, and Soma is the next incarnation of Dracula. So Dracula. Spoilers. <laughs> this podcast has always been about heavy spoilers, so you know, take that as your leisure. But I'll put the spoiler words on it. But in Aria of Sorrow, you play as Soma Cruz, and I. And Soma Cruz is Dracula. Eventually, like he'll be turned uh, at some point. He's essentially the reincarnation of Dracula's soul, um, and that's where it touches on one of the more unique powers of Dracula: the power of dominance, um, which is basically what allows him to have a pact with all the monsters and demons in his castle. Yeah. So even though there's a large range of monsters, there's like the fish people, very much the kind of the zombie, uh, sorry, the fish people who are very much in kind of the creature of the back, back lagoon. You also have um, zombies just running around in general, skeletons, warriors, um, doppelgangers, and so many other monsters. But that power of his is the what lets him use them as an army. And if anyone has seen the anime, the animated series that was on Netflix for it, that's one of the things, like, when Dracula's uh, there, they follow his command, and unless you're, like, another vampire, Dracula's rule is supreme against everyone else. And if you've gotten to that point, I think it's in season two, you'll find out that, yeah, Dracula gets weaker and weaker without blood, but he is no chump. Even if he chooses not to drink blood, his powers are still up there he's still a powerhouse he's still it still rules and that's one of the things that he uh, he can do is just take people down left and right if he wants to he is almost as far as these monsters are concerned almost a god that's how powerful this dracula gets down and then you know you hit him a couple of times with a very particular whip that'll drop him all right, so moving on from uh, this vampire, I want to go to over to another set of kind of very unique vampires. We've saw it and they're in Adventure Time, Marceline. And Marceline is unique because as a vampire, Marceline doesn't drink blood, right? Yeah. No, um, she doesn't drink blood. She drinks the color red, so things can still be intact. It's just um, she'll put her fangs on it and suck the color out, not really the blood. Um, so... Yeah, it. I believe in the episode where they meet Marceline, Finn, and Jake, um, she shows them by taking an apple and she just puts her fang on it and just sucks up that color. Um, the cast from Adventure Time, when looking into it, there was no real um, explanation why she could just only um, suck the color red. It could be the fact that... Um, her mother was human and her father was a full, the vampire king could because of that. But um, their explanation, the best that they could would, was saying it's magic. Um, 
yeah, she can't really be in the sun, so she's always wearing things that cover her skin, like a giant hat. Um, that's the one thing I remember most about the, her as a vampire is doing that. But um, she, you do see other vampires in the series, and Marceline actually fights them or tries to keep them under control. Um, I'm trying to remember, I don't, because she can do certain things that her dad can do, but not all of them. For instance, her father, he can suck souls, I think. Yeah, his father can uh, suck souls. That's what he, how he gets his powers. Yeah, and she doesn't do that. She just sucks the color red. So that's what I can remember about it. It's been a while since I've seen Adventure Time, but I'm trying to think. I know that her her guitar, her axe, it's was by her father and used as a weapon, and she converted it into her guitar. I think she's got anything else i know she doesn't fly she floats mm-hmm. and i know her based in adventure time her power is mostly her music nice let me see here oh she can turn invisible she can shape shift she can raise the dead and pyro and she has um exhibited some pyrokinetic power so fire starting fires um oh so it turns out she's she's labeled as a vampire, but she's half demon. Oh. Her dad's actually a demon, not a vampire. Plot twist. So she's sensitive to, to sunlight, but she won't die from it. Okay, so Marceline inherited the power to absorb people's souls and minor control over fire. So she can absorb souls. She just chooses not to because she doesn't want to be like her father. She's got a really messed up relationship. Okay, so she gains super her superpower. So, for instance, um, the power of flying. Um, she gained it from the episode called The Fool, The Empress. That's an episode. She gained the ability to turn invisible from the Harrowfat, she gained the power to shape ships such as turning into a bat or a wolf or even a large tentacle monster <laughs> um so she mostly uh-huh. like gained her powers from other vampires it sounds like yeah so her father sucking souls can have what they have so because she's half demon vampire and half human when she sucks souls from these other vampires that she's hunting she gains their ability like she has rapid heal so she can heal herself rapidly um obviously she's immortal and unaging um so she'll just live forever let's see here she can move things with her mind so she's got some um is it telekinesis? Telekinetics. Yeah, telekinetics. It's telekinesis when you move stuff. Okay. Yeah, because she can move things with her mind. Yep, she can raise the dead. Raising the dead is a pretty powerful power to have. Oh, apparently she, she when she wears a specific amulet, she can shoot green lasers. The nitosphere <laughs> amulet. 
Yeah, it's the one of here. the most powerful uh, mystical amulets or items that are there in Ooh. Yep. Oh, um, under weaknesses, she has typical vampire weaknesses, such as weaknesses to sunlight. She doesn't die from sunlight; she just gets weak from sunlight and gets sunburns. Um, she can't see her reflection. Oh, and it says here that she cannot digest syrup. That's probably why she never ate pancakes with them. That one episode. <laughs> It's just, it just hurt. It gives my tummies the rumblies. I don't need this. Yeah, no. I mean, she. I think she even <laughs> said that. I think she said it gives my tummies the rumblies. That or it was Jane. <laughs> One of them said that line. I know that was in there. That sounds like a Finn thing. Yeah, it does. Other vampires that we have uh, that are way different than most. Um, unfortunately, I didn't read or the book or see the series on this one. Has anyone checked out Twilight? Me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen every movie, unfortunately, thoroughly before. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. Did Did you have to sit in the theaters with a bunch of girls that were ready to scream when Jacob was shirtless? Nope. This was at, this was at home on my own free will. Oh, no. I was dragged to the opening night of the second movie with a bunch. And I was middle school. That was middle school when it came out. I was dragged. It was my friend's birthday. And I stared at every single one of them. I said, if you scream, I'm not going to be happy. You're not going to like it. Our friendship is over. They didn't scream, but the people below us did. And we were all shocked and we looked and it's a bunch of old grandmas. <laughs> so they know what they're here for. <laughs> yes, they did. They knew what they were here for. Shirtless men. But anyway, so because I know their vampires are way different than. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. It's like, well, sunlight definitely doesn't kill them. But we glitter and sparkle and we're fabulous. Oh no, they bedazzle in the sunlight. Do they have any other powers out of that that weird thing? I mean, honestly, they're kinda honestly, they're kinda some basic bitches when you stop and think about it. It's like like they just have the like the typical like speed strength, just like, okay, they're just superhuman you Sparkle. But I will say how they change into vampires is a bit different. That it, um, it's they treat it like it's an infection. Really, it's like a virus, is how they treat it. Cause, did you see the last movie when Bella had to turn into a vampire? Yes. Okay, so. They did a good job trying to depict it from the book, but the book described it more as when you get bitten, it's more of a virus, in all honesty. So they, so like, she feels really, really sick, feels very light, technically dies, and then it just triggers everything again and she wakes up and she's more beautiful and her eyes are very what What were they copper gold Aubrey? coppery but um with with bella's case they had to turn her into a vampire because when she got pregnant she the the baby was killing her from the inside out mm-hmm. no i definitely remember that part yeah because it's tab because in the book it was taboo to have a male vampire impregnate a human because of this issue oh my god hold on wasn't there like what was the excuse they were trying to say to like cause it to happen because edward's supposed to be dead right yes so technically 
they're supposed to be dead. Their bodies are dead. Their reproductive system is done. But because guys, so female vampires can't have babies because it can't grow in their body. They don't have the blood supply um, for the uh, placenta. That's the word for the placenta for, for the baby, for the fetus. Because of that, they just, Twilight vampires can have basically sex with each other and they'll be fine. They won't get pregnant. It's like, it's like a birth control, ultimately. But the issue with, (laughs) the issue with. um, Death is the ultimate birth control. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) The problem is, though, with male vampires, I actually had a discussion with some of my friends about this back in high school. This was a weird discussion with male vampires because they need blood to drink and it kind of circulates through their system that's how this is we looked this up it was weird there's actually a forum online that explains how edward got bella pregnant it was weird but when they drink blood it basically kind of circulates through their system so he can technically get it up Uh do the do Uh and Bam! Sperm in the vagina, basically. Oh, my. But technically, so the thing is, is they're dead, so they wouldn't be able to swim. And so when we read this online form, because this was the big argument, is like, no, if they're dead, they're dead. Sorry, Leo. This is not what you guys want to hear. I'm so sorry, but. This is awkward, but we're already on this road. Keep going. We've got to finish this subject. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. But basically what we read is because. The vampires have superhuman strength. You can kind of put two together. When he finishes the act, it's fast enough to get to the location where the egg was. Ah, I've heard crazier theories. Yeah, no, but that was the theory. And and to to shut our little high school minds, we were just like, done. That's it. Like, this makes perfect sense. But yeah, no, like, it, it was weird of they described it like a virus and so when she got pregnant and was developing the baby and it was killing her from the inside out they had to either let her die or get the baby out early and turn her and they they chose to turn her yeah twilight was a weird fever dream book that's okay but uh it's probably not going to be the first of as we would cover refer to as weak sauce vampires (laughs) Um, so changing our trails again, another type of vampire that's a little different than others is I'm going to end up going with, um, Kane from Legacy of Kane and the Legacy of Kane series. And we've talked about them before in a previous episode, ironically about Kane. The reason why they're different is because there's, is vampires and Kane is a vampire, but Kane is not the same as a normal vampire. Oh, I think, uh... uh and I step in here. One of my favorite things about uh, Kane is actually the creation of Kane as a vampire, because that is unique among vampire stories, at least from what I've seen. I'd always questioned it, um, because in Blood Omen, very first Blood Omen game, uh, you play as Kane, obviously, and uh, you're a noble who's in a tavern. He gets turned away in the middle of the night, and uh, as he exits the tavern. He gets murdered by assassins, um, and then he's basically given a chance at revenge. The necromancer Mortanius uh, turns him into a vampire, and I was always like, 
okay, how does a necromancer turn somebody into a vampire? And it turns out, way down the line, in another game, they finally explain that. Their plot line is in another game. I love it. <laughs> they finally explain why, how the necromancer was able to turn somebody into a vampire, and, as usual, spoilers, um, the necromancer Mortanius has the heart of the first vampire, Yano Saldron. He actually places the heart of Yano Saldron inside of Cain, thus turning him into a vampire. It's more of like a weird infection in that case. Kind of like the the worst case scenario of a transplant is the horror movie option. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, with Legacy of Cain, the bad ending is the canon ending to the, to the first Blood Omen game. Uh, rather than Cain sacrificing himself, he chooses to live and corrupts the pillars of Nosgoth. In turn, as he takes over, he... Uh, well, and, and there's so much time travel and weird twists and turns. There's a lot of irony to it because his first lieutenant, Raziel, uh, who he turns into a vampire, he didn't kill Raziel. Raziel fought and killed his past self before Cain turned him into a vampire. Um, there's so many twists and turns, and if you haven't played through the Legacy of Cain games, I highly recommend it. It is an amazing story. And Crystal Dynamics recently did a, uh, a survey, and uh, rather than the usual uh, couple thousand of responses, they got tens of thousands of responses. Wow. So they've, uh, they've heard the players... And uh, there's a good chance that they'll be bringing Legacy of Cain back. Ooh, I would love that. Yeah, Legacy of the Cain series um, is a long series, but it is worth the the go through. It's kind of interesting because even though Cain himself is a vampire, because he has a uh, uh, the heart of a vampire on, there's still regular vampires that are running around as well, and he can command some of them. And he has to, he has to kill some of them too. <laughs> he has to kill some of them. Yeah, and then Raziel used to be a vampire, but get, then gets turned into a wraith. Um, and each of his uh, each of his lieutenants, as time goes on, uh, because there's a big time skip in, in Soul Reaver from when Raziel is cast into the abyss to when he awakens as a wraith. Um, in that time, his brothers, the other lieutenants, and their clans have all evolved in strange and unusual ways. Yeah, that's one of the coolest things about them is that those other vampires will, after time, will just change and adjust themselves. In a lot of vampire lore, it's water will burn a vampire. Now, mm -hmm. that this comes up in Legacy of Cain and in the Soul Reaper series as well. So what happens is that Cain himself, through the evolution of getting certain spells, uh, magical lifeblood into him, eventually develops the ability to resist water. And then at some point becomes the ability to be immune to water. Well, in the case of uh, his lieutenants, Rahab is the first to become immune to water. And his his clan, the Rahabim, um, they all gain immunity to water. But they also gain extra sensitivity to sunlight. Mm -hmm. It's not even a catch to that. So yeah, Kane is one of the bigger ones for that. Again, can't stress enough how amazing the story of that is. But unfortunately, it's a very long story. That's a whole episode itself to do that, and I might look into that down the line. Um, just as a footnote, because this vampire is super different, I'm going to, to list it here. A vampire people don't think about Count Chocula from the cereal boxes. That's a good cereal. Uh, the most devious. It's a pretty good cereal. From what I understand, it's also 
the better of the cereals of the of that monster line of cereals. Well, yeah, who wants berries when they can have chocolate? Uh, except for Booberry. Booberry has the, notor- the notoriety of being shown up in a bunch of other movies and films. Count Chocula is actually the first of the cereal cho- uh, monsters on there. And apparently there was a problem with Frankenberry, which uh, had uh, pink pigments in, in Frankenberry at the time when it was first coming out in 1972 couldn't be processed and digested correctly. So, some children's feces ended up pink because of that, and people got really worried about that. Kind of like the whole weird thing about, like, the uh, the BK Dark Burger that happened, like, years ago, where it would turn your poop black. Oh my gosh. It was a a thing, uh, because of how they, the dye that they used in 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 that thing. But from what I understand, Count Chocula is really only can... He goes after chocolate. Really not much to him. <laughs> he is exactly what he says on the tin. Is he going to use any of his powers? I, I He can turn to a bat, and that's about it. Yep. For him, chocolate, is, is, he's a chocoholic, all things considered. It's a real problem. He's starting to work on it. Um, Another uh, vampire that's a little different than the norm. Um, I wish I could remember most of it. Has any of you guys seen Helsing, uh, the anime? Yes. Um, I've seen... Not all the original, but I've seen all of Ultimate. I haven't seen... I've seen parts and pieces of the original and Ultimate. And from my understanding, he has some weird power sets. Like, teleportation is one of his powers. I mean, he can phase through walls. He can shapeshift, um, which is one of his favorites, of course. His shadows can bring out demon eyes. Yeah, this is all Alucard. Alucard is Dracula, if you haven't figured it out by now. Uh, that's on you, really. <laughs> um, but yeah... And I think holy symbols affect him in a weird way, but not by much. Um, ultimately, well, and in Ultimate is the only one that, like I said, that I've actually seen. If I remember correctly, what they ultimately needed or tried to use to take him out was a piece of the cross that uh, Jesus was uh, crucified on. Was there other vampires in that series? I can't remember. I think there is. No, there are other vampires. They just... Alucard's just the top dog of them all. Yep, he is far older and far more powerful. Speaking of which, that also brings up an interesting trope that's out there for vampires. The older the vampire, the more powerful they gain. And is typically sort of the, the set. Anytime you, um, someone talks about uh, older vampires, it, they are always stronger and and tougher than than recently created vampires. I mean, once you've uh, survived long enough. <laughs> yeah, that one would just kind of go down to, like, the vampiral, like, experience of said person. But, yeah, I wish I knew more about uh, Al. I really should go back and, I mean, I think I'm going to end up going back and watching more of um, uh, the Helsing series. From what I understand, it is really, really good. I just can't recall most of it. But, yeah, Alucard is the top dog and has some really crazy power sets for himself. Oh, the bridge was fantastic. Oh my god. The Helsing series, that's that was just a series where they wanted to take a vampire and thought, dude, you know how they're strong? What if we made them like stupid powerful? It just makes me think of the abridged st- series and all of the antics that go in it. Oh my god. But it's just like that 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 abridged series version of Alucard has every right to have that level of attitude because yeah, it is that hard to stop him. As a matter of fact, he is that unstoppable. Yep. 
I just laugh. Um, another like way different vampire. I'm gonna bring him up anyway. Is um Hotel Transylvania's Dracula, and to the extent um his daughter Mavis. 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 Yeah, because he says Mavy Wavy. Hello, my Mavy Wavy. <laughs> it is me, your father. Don't forget, I do not go blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. So, like, from my understanding from that one, basically. He's pretty, he's still got some of the standard powers, but, like, a long, like, even he doesn't want to drink blood. That was the thing I always thought was amazing. They ate normal food. But I'd take a blood substitute. And, um, if I understand right, he's been taking the substitute for centuries now. So he figured this out and then solved that problem, and it's mostly because he thinks blood is gross. (laughs) I remember that was a big thing. It's like, you have no idea where it's been. Yeah. Which means there's a chance that if you, someone has a like an actual blood disease, it will make him sick. That's probably true. Well, I wonder if it would just like also just, just taste really bad. Is there a preference? Does one blood type taste better than another blood type? Does O taste just like Could be. Coca-Cola? Or does B negative taste like Sprite? You don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Um But like he is super happy-go-lucky, and he really doesn't haunt the night. He Half of his problem is Van Helsing trying to kill him. Oh, yeah. Although he does have that movie, the the first movie has one of my favorite lines on there. Is it true, Dracula, that if, if someone stakes you through the heart, you'll die? Well, that's pretty true for anybody who you stick in the heart. Yeah. By the time we, as of the third film, he's over 540 years old, so that Dracula is the Dracula. He can cha- shapeshift, but for the most part, unlike everyone else, he just sort of avoids doing any of the uh, vampire tropes, which is kind of the the neat thing. And Mavis, on the other hand, has even less of of the power or desire uh, or abilities than than his father does. Probably because if there's a good chance that Mavis just has never actually had blood, there's a chance of that. That's probably true. Yeah, considering the storyline where he made the hotel, kept her in the whole time, it's possible that she's probably never had a drop of blood. Mm -hmm. Yep. And from outside of that, unlike um, the crazy Twilight vampires, no, these vampires are still technically alive. They're just people that they turned into vampires. It's life to Electric Boogaloo in this case. One I wanted to bring up, and I'm not going to bring up the movie version of it, just the, the, the original comic version, because that's, and maybe the 90s version, because those are my favorite versions of um, Michael Morbius from the, uh, Marvel. Oh my god. So Michael Morbius I always like because his origin is he sort of, turn himself into a into a vampire which is um because of how weird it is his um old uh moniker was morbius the living vampire because he's not actually turned like a regular vampire in fact he has bat-like abilities which is weird because for some you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt because he can fly even though he has no wings even though his stuff is more like a vampire bat but one of the things I thought was interesting is in the 90s version in the comics, he can't, he actually, even though he has fangs, that's not where he drains blood from. He drains blood through suction cups that form on his hands. So he's more like a leech than a vampire. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. That's kind of a little odd. Oh, super odd. Like, have you guys ever had like an octopus get stuck on you? I can't say that I have. I have. I've had a leech stuck on me before, but not an octopus. Well, 
I bet it feels like a leech, but I'm just imagining I'm like, Ugh! just a hand with suction cups. Oh my god. There's a species of leeches that are used in medical practice uh, because of how that they drain the blood is that they actually end up being more of a filter for themselves. Oh. Hmm. I thought they just took any leech. No, no, no. There's a specific set of leeches. So it's called medicinal leeches, or as uh, its other na- uh, scientific name, Hirudo medicilius, which just translates to medical leech. And they're called medical leeches because what they do is that a leech will attach itself to your body and then start draining your your blood as as part of it when they attach to your body. However, for the medicinal leeches, they secrete a uh, saliva that uh, are nat- that have natural different proteins, so they're in essence uh, causing your blood to heal itself while they're feeding off the blood, uh, and they are used as well because they also coagulate that system too. So the leech is not only just uh, draining the blood because normally if a leech, and this is why it's a big problem, they'll drain your blood, and if you remove them, they leave a big old hole there where the blood and the blood will keep on going. However, the medicinal leech, the saliva for a, le- a medicinal leech is an anesthetic. Oh. Leech flights from these are not painful because they they numb the thing. And they're used to basically remove certain di- uh, blood diseases that are out there. And they're not used very often because we can do the same stuff without needing, without uh, having to deal with leeches. But that is an option that some have been processing. And there has been talks of what's called a leech therapy that is uh that has been used in certain cases since 2004 so some of this is pretty still going out for leeches is not an old thing anymore uh, as you think i learned something new apparently the big thing was the uh they were used a lot in microsurgery because of uh, of some of those properties like in uh specifically for reattachment surgery like if you lose a finger you put the finger back sometimes it doesn't heal right and Apparently, you can use help use leases to try to cut through around for that. But yeah, so Michael Borbius, more like a leech than a vampire. This is sort of the, uh, like, he gets, uh, unfortunately has a va- uh, vampiric need to feed and, and to feed, and it gets stronger and stronger until it overtakes him. However, uh, however, as a vampire, he gains and uh, attaches himself to um, some of the superhuman ability, so a mutant. Or in his case, one of his bigger enemies, Spider-Man, it greatly increases him. It's like uh, having a, a huge amount of steroids on his system for draining that blood. But what's funny is because his vampirism is not mystical in nature, he's immune to a lot of the mystical stuff that it, that other uh, vampires ours have. But yeah, Michael Morbius is one of my favorite ones in the '90s car, uh, cartoon uh, Spider-Man cartoon. That was one of my favorites of him. It's he had this weird thing in that where if he gets hit by sunlight, hurts him and it stings him for a bit, and then he transforms back to a human, which I always thought was really weird and and wonky. That makes me think of the anime Ramana Run Half, where you hit hit with cold uh cold water, you turn into a chick; hot water, you turn back into a boy. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of that. I still say they need to plug up all of those uh, wells that are there at, in Rama when half they're just a disaster waiting to happen. Yes. All right, cutting through some of these other vampires that are out there. Has anyone ever seen Count von Count from Sesame Street actually drink blood? <laughs> because I, to my knowledge, no, no, he looks like a classic vampire, but that that's 
that's about where his he, he goes. I don't even know if he can turn into a bat. I don't think he can turn into a bat. I've never seen him. And I used to work with kids, so we would watch Sesame Street a lot. I've never seen him. I've only seen him count and have bats come out of his organ. Yep, yep, he does have bats. I'm <laughs> uh, just reminded of a meme I saw recently. What's your favorite literary vampire? The one from Sesame Street. He doesn't count. Oh, I assure you, he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell, he looks like a vampire, and no one knows if he actually does do vampire things, but he counts. Yep. So there's a board game series and a video game series on it called Vampire the Masquerade. I read a little bit about that, and it's from the White Wolf series. Uh, White Wolf is who makes that that series. Um, and my most of my experiences are with the video game side for it as well. But a lot of them have some carryover and overlap. It's an interesting thing because in it, you get turned by a vampire, but you have to be, I think, sired? Like, you have to put... A vampire has to actually put their blood in your system for you to turn into a vampire. And that doesn't guarantee that you will become the same vampire as the, as the person before you. Because what will happen is, is that when you, you develop your powers and your abilities based on what clan that you're tied to. And different clans have different sort of uh, mystique. One of the clans is like Clan Nosferatu, which their vampire powers, from my understanding, is a very... They have a lot of extra powers and power sets. However, they look hideous because of the of the transformation for that. Right. Most of the Nosferatu's abilities involve hiding from society because of their looks. There's uh, what is it? There's the, a huge number of. There's a huge number of them. Um, there's a couple of them that are very classic vampirey. One of them, which is more like uh, nature bound vampires, I can't remember their name, but they uh, the, they specialize in shape shifting. But so that's kind of a weird thing because essentially these vampires will specialize in one area of their abilities in for another. Basically like choosing, which is great for an RPG because it's like picking your class. They do have a book to play it like D&D. Um, and I just, okay, I got everything. Okay. I just got all of the clans pulled up right here. Mm -hmm. So there's the clan of the hunt, assassins, children of the Harlequim. Sacrens, Mentors, Lawmen, and Azimites, um, Banu Hakuin. That's one of them. And then there's the Bruja, the Learned Clan, the Rabbles, Punks, Hipsters, um, Philosophers, Kings, Helens. Yeah. So the, the clans, that you have their clan name, and they're sort of the archetype that go with the clan. So yeah. it's kind of like uh, when you join the clan, you kind of fit into this uh, societal well, thing. Um, mainly it's to help protect each other. But yeah, the first big set of clans are the the Bruja. Uh, the Bruja? The Bruja? Bruja. I don't know which way. Is it Bruja? Yeah, it's spelt the way you would say it. Okay, so the Bruja. Um, which their abilities and such are linked towards... Um, their disciplines are in links for themselves is that they are four heavy-duty traditions. Yep. And so they are about their tradition and traditional lore. Uh, then you have the Gangrel. Yes. Which, the Gangrels are the ones that are, looks like they, they're tied to... Um, the beasts, the animals. The beasts. <laughs> and one particular wrestler from, uh, from the Attitude er uh, Era. I think it's the Attitude Era. 
But yeah, there, there used to be a WWE wrestler named Gangrel that was running around, and they got into some weird association that they had to do because of from Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, the Malkavian, that's the one I was trying to... Malkavians are the ones who uh, are just a bit insane. Like, legitimately, their new vampiric powers make them... give them mental illnesses like schizophrenia. Uh, it makes them insane, but also insightful. Oftentimes, many of the things that they'll hear aren't actually crazy at all. Because <laughs> I think in some cases, they may have some clairvoyance, so they might be able to see the, the future or hear other things outside of the norm. But they say some weird... It's, if you bump into a vampire in your game, talking riddles, most likely it's a Malkavian. And Osferatu, we talked about then. The Torador. The Toradors are interesting because they are very much like your romantic vampire. Uh, essentially, they want to work within society for that, instead of being on the outskirts one. That's the one I played when we played this game once. I had fun. And then there's um, Tremere and Ventru. I have, I've been meaning to play a game of uh, Vampire the Masquerade. I know a couple of uh, of the guys from GTP have actually played this. Uh, oh, so the Tremere are more like mages and spellcasters. They really have that blood magic down. Mm-hmm. And the Ventru, on the other hand, are typically nobles. Um, those that are higher up in society. Aristocrats, CEOs ruling mm-hmm. class nobility and they are mostly trying to keep up the masquerade that's going on yeah but yeah that's kind of an interesting thing is because first you pick you uh, become a vampire and then you figure out which one of these clans that you go to and that's what determines your power sets for and, and abilities for yourself i always thought it was interesting certain series like vampire the masquerade there is a a movie an old uh in the early 2000s or so, called Dylan Dog, Day of Night, and it was part of an old comic series. And one of the things I always thought was interesting, with as powerful as these cre- as these vampires and creatures of night are, if he, uh, if they ever have to deal with humans, that becomes a problem for it. One completely faith-filled, righteous human it can be end up being way more dangerous than some of these other monsters that are running around. Which I always thought was interesting, because sometimes your bosses are a human, but once they have that crazy amount of faith, they can get really powerful. Um, it's in the second of the of the games. Um, you play as a as a vampire, and I remember this fight because you have to deal with one human, and the building's on fire, and you just need to try to leave because the building is on fire. <laughs> yeah, those are sort of your key classes, but there's other ones that get added in later. Uh, Giovanni is a new one. Uh, is one of the newer ones because that one is more like a mafioso and a family that way. Zemitsi, the Ministry. And several other clans as well. I uh, I should really pick this up just to take a look and see what we about this. So yeah, vampires from Vampire the Masquerade. The first game I played both games, but I didn't get very far on them. But they are very good games. Since you're with us, Cat, tell us more about the vampires from Monster High. Oh, okay. Let me grab my notes. <laughs> so. Um, the main vampire that a lot of people are going to recognize is Draculaura. Um, she is a vegetarian. She doesn't even drink blood. She actually eats normal food and she's a vegetarian. Um, she doesn't have like the super speed or anything like that. So technically with Monster High, there's three generations. There's Gen 1, Gen 2, and Gen 3. 
and each one is seen as a different timeline. The one I'm going to talk about is Gen 1 because a lot of people remember that one. Gen 3 just came out and confirmed that Draculaura can turn into a bat, whereas in Gen 1, it was not confirmed if she could or not. But she does have her vampire powers. But the thing is, is she's able to go outside and socialize with all of her friends, um, like Claudine the Werewolf, Frankie um, Stein, um, Cleo de Nile, Laguna Blue, um, and Gulia. She's able to go out and hang out with her friends. She has to wear sunscreen um, and carry her umbrella so she can walk out. And her sunscreen's like SBF 500, which is actually really cute for her. Um, she does have a pet bat called Count Fabulous. So she dresses him up and everything. It's really cute. The thing, though, is um, Draculaura, um, she is actually biologically human and was turned into a vampire um, by Dracula because her mother and father um, got pregnant with her. Father went to war and died in the war. And Dracula, um, the fa- um, he was friends with the father's great, great, great grandfather and was like, no, I want to take care because the grandfather was really good friends with Dracula. So he's like, no, I'm going to take care of your your very great grandchild. So he took in Draculaura and her mom. But what ended up happening is they left Dracula's castle she was she was born in Dracula's castle and given Draculaura as honor to Dracula. She they went to a small town in Romania to live there, but a plague hit and Dracula went to try to go get them out of it, but didn't make it. So her mother passed away from the plague and she was dying and he didn't want he didn't want his friend's grandchild to just die, so he turned her into a vampire. So she's been growing up and um, she, she turns human world 16 when she's 1600 years old. Um, they do, when they hit a specific age, um, be able to activate their vampiric um, powers. Let's see here. Let's see here. That's her personality. That's her appearance. Yeah, vampiric powers. Um, so when she's able to get her vampire powers, then she can turn into a bat. But most of the time through the series, she doesn't do that because she doesn't have them yet. She doesn't get them until she finds another vampire, the Vampire Queen. Um, let's see. Because she's still very young compared to other vampires as the age thing. So she's very young. She can do levitation. Let's see. Hanging from services. And obviously having um, mortality. So she's able to do a lot of those. Let's see here. That's what she has. Um, she's pretty bubbly. She's a very bubbly character and a, very, and a big fan favorite. Like, she's hard to find a lot of places most days now. Um, but the main difference with her is she's a vampire but she's a vegetarian and she still cooks normal food yes she can't see herself in the mirror um 
but she can go out and about in the day like normal and wear um, SPS 500 and just go like to Disney World if she wanted to or something like that. She can just go around and talk to people and she goes to high school just like a normal teenager. All right. So one other video game vampire I wanted to bring up because of just sort of how different this is, is if you've ever played the Suikoden series, Suikoden 2, 1 and 2, um, you deal with the vampire Necklord. Now, the reason why Necklord and a lot of these vampires are way different is because these vampires aren't made by um by like a uh, primary vampire. From my, from most of the research on it, it looks like um in the game Suikoden, there's 27 what's called true runes, and these are the epic level runes that that exist in the world. One of the runes is called the Moon Rune, and this gives people powers based upon the moon. But in turn, that turns him into a type of vampire, and that's what. So, um, however, the original moon, moon rune is held by a vampire, and it sort of gives them the powers to become that vampire, and that's what turns other people. Well, as long as the person's wearing the moon rune, they can uh, and they infect other people. That moon rune turns the other uh, other people into a new vampire for themselves. And Necklord is one who actually holds that until you eventually defeat him. What, ironically, another vampire who used to have the moon room. So that's an interesting one. Un- weird one I bumped into, um, kind of interesting, is before the podcast, which was a part called Fly, and it was on Mighty Max. Back in the 90s, there was a cartoon series based upon a toy line. Not That part's not uncommon, called Mighty Max. But it's a really good cartoon, actually, all things considered. One of the episodes has to deal with a vampire called Fly. The episode's called Fly by Night. But interestingly, unlike a normal vampire, this one isn't from bats. It's uh, turns it's from a fly, and so because of it, it's fairly uh, it has some weird abilities. So like one of the things is that it can turn into a fly, a giant fly, but also it can it spit toxic sludge from its from its mouth. And how it passes along its vampirism to other people is through uh, fly larva that it lays, which makes this kind of super, uh, super gross. Speaking of vampires that aren't from another animal, another one I want to bring up is uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. Cool movie set in Mexico, uh, directed by I, Robert Rodriguez, and there's a whole lot of sequels for it. But those vampires are not based around bats either. They're based around snakes. Yeah, so when they turn, uh, so they have two forms: their human form and their vampire form. And when they switch their vampire form, they gain scales and look more snake-like. And the closer to a giant snake that they look like, the more powerful that person, that that or older that vampire is. There's also a weird thing about it, as their flesh isn't as tough as a human's. So if you have enough force of power, you might be able to push through. Uh, to punch through them um, directly. But they won't die unless their heart is pierced by... Um, there's also a thing in there for those ones where if you have a religious relic, like a cross, um, it's based upon the faith of the original person that turned. So the more faithful that person who was turned be, uh, was before they turned into a vampire, that's how they become... Uh, that's how that cross ends up burning them, trashing them. But some of those vampires, which lost their faith a, lo- uh, faith a while ago, when they turn to a vampire, eh, it does nothing to them. Yeah, that's about it as far as some of the vampires that uh, on this list that we were trying to go through. Probably the other ones that we want to touch base is that there's a lot of half-vampires out there, which 
for one reason or another, they only get half of the abilities. Alucard from uh, Castlevania is a half vampire. Um, it doesn't have a need for blood, but also doesn't have the normal, has a very slow regeneration process and cannot resurrect. And I believe it, Alucard has to unlock or has to mystically be granted the ability to do any of its of uh, their shape-shifting abilities. So it's usually some kind of, like, I know in Castlevania Symphony of Night, that's where, in the game, that's where he gets his abilities, but he has to go hunting for the ability to turn into a, into a uh, mist or turn into a bat or turn into a wolf. And his powers can be bound away from him. Like, that's what death did, uh, strip him of his powers. Um, another one from an anime out there, D from Vampire Hunter D. Oh, I wish I watched more. Uh, I think they're called, he's called a uh, Dumpier. It uh, it can vary depending on the book, but uh, Dunpeel is how they pronounced it in the Bloodlust movie. But yes, he's a half vampire, and um, the lore goes, although they only thinly veil it that he's the son of the Lord of Vampires. Um, the setting has always been interesting to me as far as Vampire Hunter D because it takes place in a very, very distant future. Oh yeah, that's post-apocalyptic, isn't it? Almost? Essentially. Um, it's post-vampiric rule. Um, the vampires ruled the world for a long period of time until the humans rose up against them, and now vampires are becoming more and more scattered. Well, and I don't think it was just the humans. There's there's a lot that they don't really cover in the lore that I've read so far, but I do enjoy those books, and I'm going to read more as I come across them. Okay, the last big one of the half vampires is probably Blade, and Blade is an interesting case because what Blade what happens to Blade is that Blade's mother was turned into a vampire while giving birth to Blade. And it caused uh, Blade to uh, to be prematurely born, but gained half of the abilities of the uh, of a vampire. Enhanced strength, agility, but no flight, and no shape-shifting, and uh, he has the desire for blood, but not the need for blood. That's one of the crazier things on it. So he always has a, the thirst that wants him to, to drink blood. However, he doesn't actually need to have that. If he gets blood, though, it does enha uh, enhance his abilities temporarily, almost like a like getting pumped up on steroids. But Blade was always a cool character. Um, I think that's about it. Unless you guys want to go over a couple of extra uh, vampires that's out there. Um, I know there's two types of vampires in the House of Night series. There's the traditional vampire and the and the red vampires. Um, theirs is known as they were. Marked by the goddess of night, Nyx, to change into a vampire. And for four years, they basically are going through a body changed. And they're called fledglings. And what happens is when they change, their body is changing their cells and stuff. Like, And what will happen is a crescent moon will appear on their forehead. It will be a blue outline of a crescent moon. And there's adult vampires that are trackers where they will basically, they'll catch the scent of you changing into a vampire and go find you. Because if you don't get picked up in time and brought to the House of Night, which is a school for fledgling vampires to be by adult vampires, you could die. So they have to go pick them up, 
bring them down. It's like the worst cold you ever got because they'll have chills, coughing, colds, and then it'll just, they'll take them. And then when they're there, they, it takes them four years to truly become an adult vampire. They can still enjoy going out. They can still enjoy doing things normally like a teenager would, but it just being outside they're just more sensitive to the sun it hurts a little bit kind of like with marceline it just hurts her um doesn't really hurt kill them or anything it's just uncomfortable like allergic reaction they still get blood but they don't necessarily need it all the time kind of like with drac like it's an option i can take it i just don't really want to i'll just take a pill they do that it's like okay you have to have your 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 weekly cup of blood here you go I'm not going to look at this, but I'm going to chug it. But they turn basically from warm-blooded creatures to cold-blooded creatures. They can cloak themselves in the night, scale up the wall like a weird lizard, and their hair starts getting thicker and longer and more reflected and turn different shades of the dark. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and it says here, they are difficult to photograph due to mutated cell surfaces. Um, it says here they basically stop menstruating and stuff, so they can't even have kids. Um, oh, they're able to taste foods better. Basically, their senses are more heightened due to the fact that their saliva can coagulate and anticoagulate in their salivary glands. That was something I didn't realize. But there are red fledglings, um, which happen so when you're fledgling of a vampire you go through these what it's called the change when your body rejects the change you die and then um when you're dying it's the most painful death ever that the high priestess has to give you a vial filled with milky colored liquid to ease the pain so that you can die but what ends up happening that is found out when you die you wake up again and you are known as a red fledgling and go through the change process of that to be a full red vampire, which is the um, the more traditional vampire that we see, like glowing red eyes, super pale skin. You go in the sun, you die and the uh, an inationable thirst for blood. That is what the red fledgling is. Oh, wow. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a... It's a radio call that you get in uh, Fallout 3, but it always makes me laugh. And it's like, now, every... Uh, it's from the radio station, uh, and it goes, now, if you are, are listening, listeners, I just want to let you know, if you see a ghoul, don't don't shoot them. They, they are like people. They're just like me and you. They're just super heavily ra- uh, radiated. They're, not, they're just like regular people. We don't... You don't need to just shoot them on sight. Unless they're uh, rage and uh, rage filled zombie uh, ghouls, oh because those rage filled ghouls, they are like the undead zombies. Yeah, you, you gotta kill them and put them down. Uh, yeah, that's about it as far as um, I don't think there's anything else. All right. So with that being said, um, as far as gaming theater uh, podcast is going, we're it's getting closer to January. The next month coming up after this episode is released, and so we're going to go in a little bit of a hiatus and probably be back in our recordings in. And more on the podcast in February. But if we, unless uh, something comes up and we manage to get some extra episodes and we'll just get them out, listed out there in January as well. It's just a lot of us are really busy after uh, towards, the, towards the beginning of the new year. 
But if we can, great. We'll be back onto the podcast and keep your eyes on Twitter and Facebook. We'll uh, I'll make those announcements there if we are going off or on. But until then, thank you everybody for listening for the for the majority of 2022. And I'm glad everybody is having some fun. Being said, this is a gaming theater podcast. Logging out. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some financial support to help with producing things for gaming theater, you can do so at patreon.com slash gaming theater presents. It helps us out. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.